All right, everyone, welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Peter Overzet, and hopefully eventually joined by Pat Corain. He might be he might be big timing us right now. He might uh, he might have uh, honestly gotten too big for his britches after this report this morning yeah. from the Athletic that that Greg Dulcich might be the Denver Broncos starting tight end. He might just be like he might just not even want to deal with uh with with the Alberto lovers here. How much tilt did that that report bring you? Legit, legit anger. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like starting to get. I'm starting to. Well, you know, it's like I uh, have you. You've you've probably done this where it's like the tea leaves are kind of leading away from the guy you like throughout the course of the off season, but you're like, I can't stop drafting him now. Like my like I would be so screwed if Albert O was the Denver Broncos backup tight end now that I I got to just keep going full steam ahead. I can't. I can't wave the white flag now. Well, that's the whole thing about like portfolio balancing that is such a messes with your mind, right? Because it's like you're making bets on these guys and then they get cheaper and you're like, how do I not continue to make this bet? Uh, I feel like I kind of get excited with the, when the guys I've been hammering start to get pushed up. Like Rashad white is one of the guys I've been hammering in best ball mania three fat Lenny reports, you know, coming out yesterday. And now he's starting to inch up and I'm like, okay, I can take the foot off the gas. I already packed my bags, but when they drop in price, you're like, got to keep scooping them. It's like, it's like, I've expected Wandale to get more expensive because kind of, you just get a rise on rookie wide receivers, uh, rookie wide receivers, I guess maybe were more a part of the narrative last year, but it's, yeah, it's like Wandale. It's like, well, I can just keep drafting him. Add in, like there's not there's not going to be um, uh, a, an upward pressure on his ADP yet, I don't think. And also, Corain is a fraud. I'm looking at his Scott Fishbowl team right now. No Greg Dulcich to be found. He drafted Brevin Jordan over Greg Dulcich, so wow. so maybe maybe the, the false flag himself is feeling the uh, falsehood of his claims. How is uh, how is your Scott Fishbowl uh, draft been going for you? It's been like this is. For me, it's been the weirdest year to do Scott Fishbowl because it generally does feel like the summer kickoff. And because 100%. We, we have so many best ball drafts under our belt that I'm coming in with a completely different frame of mind than I normally do. I, I was I was actually just thinking that uh, when I sent you and Pat this message to do the show is I was like, normally this is when people start listening to this podcast specifically when I start, you know, sending a bunch of fantasy football tweets every single day, like that is gone. Like, like the, the day, the day that the fantasy football season starts is basically the day that the NFL draft ends. And we have like an idea. Uh, I, I, I would say the schedule day was probably one of the biggest ones, but best ball mania three was out even before the schedule. So in, in some way for us giant nerds, uh, as, as sickos like it does it's 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 no longer I think like the unofficial start of fantasy football season which is a bit odd yeah but I guess what makes it fun too and what I'm sure we're going to get into this is like you know we're so used to being anchored to these ADPs on these sites and you know we're we're in almost an ADP holding pattern I mean I'm bouncing around looking at some of these drafts that you guys are posting looking at mine it's like it's the wild west like these ADPs are all over the place not every draft is so similar in the way they are on underdog like just rogue picks left and right I mean this is this is insanity it's, pro- it's probably my my favorite thing is like you you literally just have no clue who's going to be there at your next pick like like you could be like, like for example I think the craziest pick in mine for for me was I got Marquise Brown at the 706 
And I was like, shit, I might've taken him three rounds earlier. You know, it's like, it's like, and the, the, the horrible takeaway that everyone has from these rosters every single year is uh, wide receivers don't get any special benefit from the scoring, right? Tight ends get the benefit. Good quarterbacks get the benefit and everyone loves running backs anyway. So like it's, it is so easy to just draft eight wide receivers, all of whom you love. It's, it's this, it's, no matter what Scott does to the rules, it is the same every single year, a wide receiver. Yeah, and it doesn't, just because the scoring is different, it doesn't change the value proposition of them. It's like, if I hit, I just drafted Deontay Foreman in the 18th round. If CMC gets hurt, like it doesn't change, like Deontay Foreman's going to benefit from the running back scoring. And then we're just playing into the same kind of, you know, positional dynamics that we're trying to push in other formats. So yeah, I will say though, and I've been feeling this everywhere. We're starting to feel it in our first, one of our first FFPC main event drafts, like, the tide is turning like draft rooms are just so much more willing to draft uh, wide receivers early and often in ways that I've never seen before. I, I have definitely, I have definitely noticed that even when, you know, the, the, the FFPC grinders start to post their, their draft boards and stuff. Now uh, they, they do still do the, the classic FFPC grinder thing, which is any running back with a semblance of upside does get like, like uh, actually the 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 profile of guy that the grinders used to like like a josh jacobs or ezekiel elliott or whatever those guys are actually like relatively in their same range as underdog but like uh mojo posted this the other day like travis Etienne, if you want him you really got to take him because he might go at the 301 sometimes and like tony pollard is way pushed up but there are i i mean i think that the people have finally started to understand like the the basic math that wide receivers score more points and that really the number one thing is like consistency does not matter in fantasy football at all because most weekly scores are not close. Yeah. And I think the other thing in general too, is like you, you still have like the typical drafters and the people that have their running back early philosophy. But what I've noticed is, you know, two years ago, you would be the only zero RB drafter in the room. And you might be the one of two like anchor running back drafters in the whole room, like one in weight. And now like you'll have two to three anchor guys, you'll have one to two zero RB. Like it now is like almost a 50 50 of people who are at least drafting within smart structures. And so it's like, these rooms are getting tougher. Yeah. So uh, I think for the first time in like, shit, I can't even remember how long I didn't take a quarterback in the first round. Like I normally, I normally set it up and here we have, we have Karain. He is, he was late. He was, uh, he was drafting on stream with Liam. He's coming in. Pat, we're already, we're already recording right now. We, we did not, we did not wait for you because Pete, Pete of course has a hard out, but, uh, but you're here. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, guys. This is entirely my fault, so uh, no problem that you uh, start without me. Well, I sent yeah, the I, mean, I sent the link to Gretch too, so he might just show up out of nowhere too. I mean, Kitchen says that I'm now like trying to big time swolecast, even though I'm part of the crew that asked for a regular show time. But I mean, we are saying that at the top of the show, Pat, that you're now too big time after this Greg Dolchich report that you're now really feeling yourself and feel like you don't have to show up on time to things anymore just been running around the park and in, in super short shorts <laughs> uh i did notice i looked up your scott fishbowl team though you took brevin jordan over greg dulcich so how much of a believer can you really be pat well i, I believe dulcich is still available davis so uh let's not let's not get too he better be he better be i took i took albert O 
in the eighth round of my draft. <laughs> and I feel, I feel great about that decision. I got, you I got take, the Broncos tight end one. I got, I got Dawson Knox at nine twelve. You're taking Albert O at the eighth. My league, my league went pretty <laughs> aggressive on the tight ends as we were talking about. It is, uh, but yeah, because of you, because you took Albert O. Because I took Albert O. Well, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys know this. Like, it is, it is a very interesting challenge. Because I uh, also cards on the table. My projections are not done for this season yet. I have not gone through every team in the NFL. So I didn't have like a cheat sheet to draft of off of really this year. Cause I've just been drafting off of ADP on underdog yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I was, I was flying a little blind and I think, uh, I think those results are, are showing, but I, Pete, you took Josh Allen one oh one, And also I think why, why, why the one one? what was the, what was the thought there? No, I, I have to take an L on this. I remember even Pat was asking us a while back, which draft lot should you get? And I just, I literally gave it zero thought this year. I remember in previous years, we had kind of like gamed it out. And I just, I literally- In previous years, in previous years, it used to be a big advantage, I think. But yeah, the, I mean, the, the third I completely reversal. messed it up. Yeah. Yeah, I would do 105 uh, so, or 16 anytime if I could do it over. So cards on the table, I signed up for the 101 originally and I got invited into like the 101 group chat. And then someone in there mentioned the third round reversal. And I was like, I will be leaving and changing my pick Later. because I, can't. I, was, I literally, I literally, I literally was the deuces. Move. I was like, I was like, I'm not with third round reversal, especially because I would take Mahomes anyways, who I think ended up third in ADP in the Scott Fitt. Yeah. He ended up third behind Allen and Herbert. So it made, it made no sense. I, I actually thought there was a reasonable chance I would get Mahomes at seven. That was his max. Well, ADP. Cause yeah. I asked you what draft slot. And you told me five, which thank you. I've, I've really five. enjoyed the five slot, but then so you I ended up at seven. So I thought five, I thought five and seven were basically the same value prop, depending on how much you valued getting a quarterback versus uh, did you include McCaffrey and cup as part of like the, the super premium assets? Cause obviously seven, you get the better pick coming back around, yeah. but five, you get the uh, you're, you're locked into a quarterback you love. And that is what I ended up taking McCaffrey at seven uh, is, is, and I, I, I wanted to have McCaffrey in, in one of these leagues. Cause obviously it's really hard to get McCaffrey in the main event. Um, like I, I would, is he going, is he going first overall in the main event or is Jonathan Taylor still going? Cause on underdog, he is now officially uh, flippant Cooper cup. He is, he is going second now. He is uh, he was the one Oh three in both of our uh, main event drafts so far. Yeah. There's just no logic to taking him over into taking Jonathan Taylor over him. If you're trying to win a million dollars, in my opinion. Yeah. Seems insane, right? I, I agree with that take. And also I've, I've been tilting my Scott fishbowl slot too, because what happened is my draft room ended up not prioritizing quarterbacks that much. I got Justin Fields at seven twelve. I didn't wow. end up taking Zach Wilson. Cause I started with Allen and Lance, but Zach Wilson fell. And now I'm just kicking myself. Cause if I had that one five or whatever, it's like you get one of the elite guys, maybe you get Jamar chase, like where yeah. Pat did. And then Trey Lance falls to you in the mid third. I'm just like, I screwed this whole thing up and I hate it. Yeah, I uh I you just I, described my start. I <laughs> know like I get Trey Lance. It. That's why I bought oh, really? tilt about it. <laughs> I also I also took Trey Lance in the second round, which I think people think is bad. I think I my the general tenor is that uh, I think people are 
saying that Trey Lance is like not a fit for the scoring system or whatever. But my, my thing is one Trey Lance is going to run for a fuckload of points, but if he, if he, if Trey Lance runs for a crazy amount and randomly happens to have an efficient passing season, just because of Kyle Shanahan, uh, like he is going to dust the scoring system. Yeah. He is, he is going to be like irreplaceable. I think he could too. Like they, they could throw like super low volume, but high efficiency it could be like, you know, kind of like a Ryan Tannehill type of, I don't think it'll be as, as pass heavy. Who, as who you were arguing to me last offseason. Yeah, I think you stacked the Titans and Scott Fishbowl 11, and you were saying they were a good fit for the scoring system. And I, I was wrong about that. They were a good fit for the scoring system. Yeah, it's like low volume, high completion percentage, which, I mean, that seems kind of like San Francisco's deal. You know, yeah. I know Lance looked uh, a little unwieldy as a passer last year, but he's, that was a year ago, so. I mean, uh, this is this goes back to the whole thing like and you could apply this conversation to a lot of scoring formats and people's unwillingness to take on risk and things that haven't happened before and it's like of course if we just look at like the super small sample sizes of these guys and try to retrofit them to the scoring system they're not going to look good but like we're placing bets on guys that we think are going to be able to wildly outperform their expectations their, their draft of, slot period right yeah. it doesn't matter the scoring Right. Like it could Trey Lance flame out this year. Absolutely. Like that's well within the range of outcomes, or he could just be an absolute Uber smash in any, you know, scoring nuances relative to Scott Fishbowl scoring could just be like blown out of the water. Yeah. Also like Lamar Jackson was the one Oh eight in my league. And I know he's drafted pretty highly in every league. Like Jalen hurts was the two Oh one. Yeah. So I, I mean, Lance, I think, was totally fine in the late second. I think that's totally fine. Now, if you could get him at 308, is that better? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, getting him getting him where you got him, I think, is a huge deal because you were able – to me, in my mind, you got almost three first-round picks, Pat, because you got Mahomes. How did Chase go to 208 in your league? Was like – what? what, so what stupid. Is, were you with robust RB drafters? Like, how did that Up how was did that the 101. Happen? It was pretty wild. Cup was the 101, and then Jefferson was the 207. So there's this huge stretch where no one took another wide receiver. See, that's so obnoxious because I Chase went in the first round in mine. That well, is I actually, that's really annoying to me. I should mention, I say that's ridiculous. I was one pick away from getting Justin Jefferson at 212. He, he went oh, 211. Um, so that we have noticed some of those wide receivers falling because I do think there is this, you know, people worry about an avalanche and they're like, what if the next time I come around, there's no quarterbacks. Well, I, I did me. that. I did that in mine. I took Tua at the three Oh six, which it was, I think, uh, compared to getting Trey Lance in the third round, very rich. However, if I may defend myself, I think Tua is hashtag a good fit for the scoring system because he, uh, what do you have a month with 80% completion? or whatever last year, like, and now he's going to be working screen passes into Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bullish on the dolphins, like at least in terms of range of outcomes, but I think two in the third round was probably a bad pick. What can you do? I'm with you that he fits the, the scoring system. Cause I think the system fits the scoring system as well. Yeah. Well, Drew, Drew Brees used to be the example of this where like he would have these games with like 240 passing yards in the Scott fishbowl, but he would complete like 32 check down to Alvin Kamara and just rack right. up the points. Um, Pete, you took, you, you got the uh, Deandre Swift. De you must've been sweating getting Deandre Swift at the three twelve, Cause that is that he is, he's kind of the classic road of his running back poster boy right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I was completely uh, prepared heading into this draft to to do what we've seen a lot of us do of just ripping wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends for a while. But I missed out on the elite tight end. I didn't get like a Waller or Kittle or Pitts gift like I saw some of you guys get. And so then Swift was hanging around there instead of so instead of kind of like you know, chasing maybe wide receiver or tight end picks there that I didn't think were as valuable. I decided to just kind of take the big cut with DeAndre Swift to anchor that. And then that allowed me to kick down uh, my running back two can down to, you know, 13, 12. Now, Pat, I need to eviscerate your kicker stance live on air because taking kickers in a draft in July is I think totally cannot, you cannot do it because the cost of losing a stash spot for a guy who might jump 10 rounds in ADP due to a training camp injury, I think is, is terrible. Well, I haven't drafted a kicker and I'm 18. No, I know. I know you haven't, but you were, you were kicking it around and it's become a real, it's become a real topic of discourse on Twitter this week. So the stance that you're trying to eviscerate here is, is curiosity, (laughs) interest in learning things. No, we can't have that. (laughs) Everyone's got to have take lock from, from May, from May 3rd, to September 1st, you have to have total take lock. Surveying the community for their thoughts. That's the, <laughs> that's the stance. <laughs> we can't have it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done no, that. No, but that, that is, I do. It's like people, people did this last year too, when he introduced the kickers and it's just like, you can't. Uh, and like, I have, I think I have the same amount of running backs and wide receivers on my roster in this, which obviously I would never do in a league where you couldn't make transactions, but uh, the, the value of the 18th, 19th, 20th round running back is like so clear. And, and this is true in like the main event slows that you guys are doing too. Like when it gets to be these later lottery tickets, you're going to be looking at like, Oh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who is not 260 pounds or, uh, you know, uh, Devin Duvernay or Tylen Wallace or whatever. And it's like, well, the running back is just the better value proposition when you're drafting early. We took James white in the last round, which like, I mean, isn't, you know, he's probably not going to make the Patriots, but in like the main event, you have a preseason waiver wire run. So like guys who are super binary like that, um, like I, I'm willing to take on even more risk in, you know, these managed leagues than, than best ball, obviously. So Davis, feel free uh, to I'm say, gonna... uh, what does James White do for this team? What is <laughs> James White? James White, it, it has like a good range. I mean, his range includes not playing professional football this year. His range includes being the third down running back for the Patriots. It includes getting cut and being signed by the Buccaneers, getting cut and getting signed by the Chiefs. Like there are, there are good offenses who are kind of without third down backs or, or really uh, locked in third down backs right now. So I don't hate it. I mean, I, I, I wonder if Gretch's take of Ty Montgomery is, is maybe uh, a similar way to play it. Like I could see, I could see either of those guys being fantasy contributors this year. Yeah. And I think the thing that is nice and it plays into zero RB builds in general, and this can apply to the back end of your Scott Fishbowl roster, any of these formats where you do have a waiver run before the season starts, these guys that are binary propositions as far as holds or cuts like that's so nice because I I'm constantly viewing our selections through the lens of, Hey, is this a promising rookie? We're going to have to sit on for nine to 10 weeks before you feel comfortable cutting him. Or is it just a guy in a backfield where it's like, let's just figure out if, um, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson jr. Is actually the running back too in, in San Francisco. And then, and then we can make that decision accordingly. So those guys were, you know, it's binary. I, I love those picks right now. 
that's a that is a great point. So like I skipped over DeAndre Hopkins a couple times when I would have liked to have taken him in mind because Hopkins in best ball, you know exactly what you're getting, you know exactly why you're drafting him, but like you know it's it's so different when you have to manage each roster spot. Like I don't know, could be could be week 4 I could have four injuries and like really need to spend waiver dollars on, you know, player X Y or Z and it's like I don't want to cut Hopkins but he just feels like total dead weight and the Jalen Tolbert, Wandale Robinson guys, they're not dead weight, but they're basically roster spots that you're getting. You're assuming you're getting nothing out of for like six weeks, which is uh, a tough ask, even though I guess the 22 roster spots is, is a big roster here. Well, we have the same decision in the main event where you only have 18 skill players and we have yeah. Marquise Brown already. And we were looking, we were staring real hard at taking Deandre Hopkins in the sixth. But I mean that roster spot in the main event is super valuable. Really, any any league, like if it's valuable in an eighteen uh, skill player league, it's it's going to be really valuable in any managed league. So we ended up taking Kyler instead, um, and hoping maybe that Hopkins would come back around. He didn't. We got uh, Devontae Smith instead, which I feel totally fine about. But part of it was like, do we really want to be holding this DeAndre Hopkins uh, spot for six weeks when when like we got sniped on Kyler and don't actually have a completed double stack. So I'm with you on Hopkins. Corinne, I noticed you week 17 stacked. You you grabbed Jerry Judy as your uh, as your Mahomes bring back in the Scott Fishbowl. Yep. Scott Fishbowl is interesting because there's only two weeks that really matter. It's 16 and yeah. 17. Yeah. Uh, and and you are carrying over your regular season points with you right. anyways, right? So it, it works kind of the same way as the main event where you're scoring season matter so the week 17 points definitely matter and you want to get a lot of week 17 points but uh you also need to have a team that has done very well up into that point because if you're if you're like the last team that gets into the playoff or whatever you could be at like a 20 30 point uh disadvantage already basically and doesn't that make elite quarterback more valuable because like if you're sort of figuring out your totally. super flex you, you know you, you get stuck with a couple negative scores from your quarterback while you figure it out like that sticks with you for the whole playoffs. Yeah, Pete, you you did not draft Rashad White in the Scott Fishbowl, unlike unlike me and Corain. Are you having regrets on taking Daryl Henderson over Rashad White right now? Wait, did I'm pretty sure Rashad White was off the board when I took Henderson. Well, I can't. I'm not looking at your board. I'm just looking at your team. So I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just assuming. Pete, defend no, that I, decision. Uh, Pete, I, I, Pete, defend a decision you uh, did not make. Turns out you didn't make. Well, I've, <laughs> I've, I've drafted like 200 basketball teams and I take Rashad White before Henderson every single time. So I think it would be very weird if here picking, I, I did it. Picking on the turn just absolutely sucks. Like all, yes. all, all formats. It, it just, it, it is the nut low, especially when we're trying to do all these stacks that we're trying to do. It, 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 it really does suck. Like I, I, when I draw the 112, I'm just like, this team's going to be bad. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I, I was thinking about that the other night. I was like, I hope I have was that more... the night you requested the one-on-one <laughs> no, I'm, I'm taking the L I've already taking, held it up. He's not, he's I'm not defending himself. He's holding no, it. It's a huge L, but I was also thinking about this in context of, I, I was writing a little bit about the first round for like an upcoming newsletter piece. And it was really crystallizing to me, the advantage that early drafters and specifically drafters in the um, early middle have this year, because depending on where your personal tier break is in the third round, you know, for me, it's kind of after um, Mike Williams goes, I mean, not only are you getting a top five player 
when you have a picks one through five, but then I don't view guys like Debo and T Higgins and Javante Williams, like any different than CD lamb and Joe Mixon and those guys. So then you're getting like the same version of those guys on the turn. And then you're getting the tear break when it wraps back around, when you're getting an AJ Brown, Mike Williams, even a Nick Chubb, if you're going running back. And so I'm like the advantages this year to having an early draft slot are massive and they compound through the first three rounds. Yeah, it's 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 a it's more insane than it normally is, and um, you also have the uh, you also have the, the the fact that like I think that we're probably gonna see a shakeup of the of the ADP like in round like picks uh, seven through fifteen like once we start to get some preseason like best shape of his life stuff too. So it's it's like you you also have this weird distribution of exposures where like you might have been drafting. Derrick Henry or whatever. And Derrick Henry might end up being like the 14th guy in ADP by September. So it's like you you have a bunch of teams that drafted player X at eight. And that combo is, is unique in a bad way where someone else got them far cheaper. I don't know. I just like opening up a draft and finding out you got the ninth pick. I'm just like, fuck. And yeah, that's all my drafts these days. Like every single one. I, I don't know what's going on. It also leads me to draft the same team a bunch of different times yeah, too. Cause I'm yeah. never taking Henry. So I'm just like always clicking Dalvin cook or Kelsey there and then starring the same players later on. So you just end up having the same stacks. It's, it's like, it's, it's bad. I, I don't like it. The, the only silver line, I actually did a draft last night and I'm taking advantage of this, why this still exists. I've done some hyper fragile from the back end of round one. So last night I started Dalvin cook, then grabbed Saquon and then got Alvin Kamara in the late third before that ends. And again, it's, they're not my play, favorite players to take, but like versus taking watered down versions of, you know, what everyone else is doing in the first couple of rounds, it at least feels like an angle where you could potentially get ahead on the league. Yeah. Uh, so one, Pete, you, you mentioned this, there seemed to be a huge gap between what the market deemed as elite quarterbacks. And then the secondary quarterbacks for like, I got you got Justin Fields at the 712. I took Daniel Jones in the the 10th round of my wow. draft. Um and it just feel it honestly had I had that foresight, I probably would not have selected a quarterback. I took two in the third but I I would have just done like I would have taken Daniel Jones, Kenny Pickett and Marcus Mariota and just kind and held four roster spots for a quarterback and kind of just played the whatever their matchups happen to be that that feels like that strategy is going to be worth more points than taking like the quarterback 14 in the third round or whatever yeah yeah and it it, it was hard to just like read these the rooms and stuff too like it's so easy to know on underdog like hey i i know that i can wait on daniel jones because he's going to reliably be here you know in these rooms it's like yeah i'm not passing up on justin fields at this price point because i I have no idea if uh daniel jones and zach wilson aren't just going to snap come off the board right after him so i don't have a third quarterback actually i like this bill pete where you had alan lance and then a really nice price on fields i just have two at the moment and I'm going to figure out if I'm going to try to tackle on like a Gino or just. Uh, yeah. What's your, what's your, what's yeah. your plan there? Are you taking, are you taking Gino Smith or uh, a Baker Baker went Baker went before Daniel Jones and mine, which I thought was, was odd, but are you going to tack on like a rookie quarterback? I think uh, Ritter's still available. Um, I don't know if Mariota Mariota's not available uh, and Gino is available. I was, I was leaning towards tacking on Gino if he gets back. 
the general the general cheat code in Scott Fishbowl in years past has been to take a first round quarterback who is not projected to be the starter. So like Justin Herbert, uh, if you had taken Mac Jones last year, you know something something like that. Those had all been huge cheats. The the, the issue is is that. Uh, no one can talk themselves into Kenny Pickett. Like no one, no one believes in Kenny Pickett. Scott Barrett uh, believes in him and took him in the fifteenth round. I mean that I which I, is fine. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean that that seems that seems absolutely fine. How did you get Waller at the five oh eight? How did you get Waller yeah. after after his underdog ADP? It's crazy. I mean, I, I'm the only one who cannot tell you that. <laughs> like, talk to the other eleven people in the league. I was just sitting there going. Uh, okay, this seems Waller's, great. By the Waller's way. average ADP was the 302, 30, 38th overall. Yeah, Pat, it looks like you got him the third latest. There were two teams that got him at 510, um, but just an absolute absurd price point on him. Well, the funny thing about it, right, is I took Lance at the 308, then Aaron Jones was available at the 405. Uh, that felt like a pretty nice value. And I'm actually thinking, obviously, have no chance at Waller, but I'm looking at Kittle. Kittle. And Waller provides some cover. So maybe I get super, super lucky and Kittle gets back to 508. And then Kittle went like, I don't know, 10, put like 10 picks before Waller. Like, I remember just sitting there being like, well, there's no chance Waller gets to me now. Kittle went uh, 48th and I got Waller 56th. It is it like I'm just looking at these men ADPs right now and the the spread of guys who have single bit so uh, there were 25 no there were 30 players who went in the first round of various Scott Fishbowl drafts like that that spread is so insane like I mean there it uh, what I'm saying is the Scott Fishbowl really is more of an art it's it's less it's less of a science and it's it's more of an art because people are kind of just taking whoever they want to take uh it's it's like it's like not which is the fun of it yeah yeah absolutely uh pat you you got you all this is not even fun to do with you your team is so much better than ours this is so obnoxious you got tony pollard in the 10th round and then got your Mahomes stack with sky Moore in the 11th round yep i also got <laughs> no comment yeah no is that good are you supposed to do that yeah, yeah. that was not, that was fun um i i will say with the the running backs here i want to build more teams like this in best ball and uh you know try to talk you guys into doing main event teams like this because like i just t- i didn't take any i took jerick mckinnon in the 18th but uh after aaron jones in the fourth i went pollard rashad white Madison, Isaiah Spiller. I just did only the contingent value guys, which is a really fun way to draft. In did you hear That's- that, Davis? Pat Pat is interested in doing drafts with us where we get gifted players uh, around past <laughs> ADP. I would really. Pick. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys open to that? Yeah, I'm interested in signing up for the main event where we just get to we just get to pick our bucket of guys we like in the double digit rounds, and then those guys just get automatically imported to our team, and we don't have to sweat it out like. Yes, I will be taking Rashad White. I will be taking Daryl Henderson. I'll get Greg Dulcich when I want him. I'll just take I'll just take the guys that I want. I I I, uh, I would also sign up for that. <laughs> it's a good strategy. I should employ this more often. Are you guys Are you guys doing anything with this Leonard Fournette stuff? Like, do you care? Do you care at all? Not really. I'm, I'm hoping to draft him now because I haven't really drafted. I think I have like three percent on underdog. Um, and I think he's he's probably totally fine where he's going, so that's like probably a bad take. But 
Maybe I can get bailed out of a, a slightly bad take there and, and I can get some early third for now. I did. That's kind of what I've been I did. At. I did two drafts yesterday and I noticed that he was going later. Like he was hanging around when like Nick Chubb was still on the board. And normally there's a tear break between those guys. Yeah. I'm interested in him at that price. Um, give me, give me some 260 pound Fournette in the third round. Well, my thing with it too, is like, I just have to be honest with myself. I can't laugh off the people panicking about Traylon Burks's asthma and say it's a non-story and I'm buying the dip and then be like, no, but no, this Leonard Fournette's but, a little <laughs> overweight thing is actually a canary in the coal body. You could never draft him. So well, like, well, you gotta, you, you gotta adjust for the cost though. Like Burks, Burks, the most expensive Burks got was like a late sixth. Leonard Fournette was going in the second round and he might be the size of a hippopotamus. But I would say that, um, Leonard Fournette, like the kind of risk is already kind of baked into his ADP in the early third, right? Like if you eliminated any concerns, if if he was, if his name was, if his name was Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey or whatever, and he had had the season he just had, yeah, he'd be a first round pick. Exactly. And so I feel like the market has already kind of smartly baked that in. And now, like you said, if we're going to get a little bit more of a discount where he's slipping to like the mid third, like then I will grab, grab a few of my shares. Have you guys been drafting much of him in the second? Basically zero in the second. I'll sometimes take him early third. My, my bags are already pretty packed on him. Uh, I have him 12% because I had a good stretch of getting McCaffrey a bunch. And so, you know, you, you, you star, you, you star, you star all the Buccaneers. And so he would just, he would just be there a lot. Um, I, I think, I think maybe I, I got like in one of the puppies, I got uh, maybe the first puppy. I got a bunch of him. I mean, I have no, I have no issue. I think, I, I mean, I think every Buccaneers running back is good at cost. I think Fournette's fine at cost. I think that Rashad white is really good at cost and Hayden kind of talked me into Keyshawn Vaughn. He, he, he said something to me the other day about Keyshawn Vaughn going in like, th- like only being drafted in like 3% of best ball mania drafts. And I'm like, shit, did, I don't know. He could be out there, bro. Did Hayden tell you his source was David kitchen? <laughs> his, his, boots on, <laughs> his boots on the ground. Did he also the- tell you to live a little? <laughs> <laughs> the live a little, the, the, the live a little ethos is absolutely the Scott fishbowl. It's just like, yeah, just live a little dude. <laughs> and in 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 the scott fishbowl that is the correct ethos yeah it's maybe yes. not the correct ethos in uh baseball mania let's uh let's look up soccer dave's team and let's see wow what a what a fraud this uh, actually sounds fun let me this does he, he only took Traylon burks but no ryan Tannehill, no derrick henry no robert woods wow. uh has not selected uh Ferkser's not there anymore is he or austin Hooper it's not it's not selected Austin Hooper. Um, don't know how I feel about my strategy that that Dave also took Tua in the third round. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how good that feels. Um, he's and he's got a Chief Super Stack. He basically just stolen Valor in this draft, David. Yeah, he took he took Mahomes, Juju, Clyde edwards hilaire Sky, and MVS. Wow, he is just living my dream right now. This is so rude of him. <laughs> I know he's a new man drafting zero RB best ball mania teams on stream, stacking up the chiefs. He's, he's really progressive these days. Dave, Dave catering to the zero RB folks on the swole cast last week was uh, it really was all time. Just being like, Oh, I love zero RB teams. I do this all the time. <laughs> As he pulls up his exposures for two drafts. hundred <laughs> percent trail on Burks for him though. Oh man. 
What did you guys like with through the Scott Fishbowl drafts? I mean, I've basically been using the ADP to kind of, and you know, I've been bullying the ADP more than I would on underdog, but have you guys found any other inefficiencies in like the mid to late rounds or, you know, either positions or specific players you think the market is, is undervaluing way too much? There's like a tier of running backs that get drafted all the time in best ball drafts that the market uh, just completely forgot about. Honestly, I think because of the way the ADP is ordered in the draft applet. So like the uh, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Dearness Johnson, Jarek McKinnon group of guys seems to be a bit like, and, and I, this was another thing I was taking umbrage with while, while we're, while we're mad at the fantasy football community is that the response to uh, yeah, it's fine to take a kicker because the pickings are so, bear at the end of the draft i i totally disagree with that i just i just took dearness johnson with my 21st uh 21st round pick uh the 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 drumbeat of cream hunt getting cut still seems to be pretty loud in which case dearness johnson is like literally pretty close to being like a top 120 ish pick in fantasy football drafts and that's just one example of why again taking a kicker is bad but yeah that that tier of running backs seems to be pretty free And I think the thing with the kicker conversation for me, it's not that kickers aren't going to be useful in Scott Fishbowl. It's just you can pick them up on the waiver wire when you need them. When you you need it. And you can stream them, whereas you can take a higher upside bet right now on a contingency play, like you said, that could, you know, jump massively in value, where there's just zero chance that a kicker can jump in value. So I I think there's way too much opportunity cost in drafting them now, but I guarantee you some of these are going to be kicking around on the waiver wire. We see it every year. There's, you know, kicker battles, even, you know, guys flipping each other on the depth chart. Like there's going to be opportunities to get these guys on the waivers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the winning argument because it's one of those things where if the market decided like, no, 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 we're drafting all the kickers. Like I'm going to start, you know, two kickers a week to fill these flexes, which like the way they score, like, I I mean, that could work, but like you're giving up a lot of opportunity costs because like, you know, there's all these. But so like a a kicker, a kicker might like help you scrape through a couple weeks, but like the nuts teams are the teams that hit on, like this is just a tired example, but you know, drafted last year's James Conner and Leonard Fournette and uh, whatever stud rookie wide receiver ends up right. You know, it's like, it's like the teams that hit on three of their late round selections, they're going to be using those guys in their flex spots. And those guys are going to be crushing Harrison Bucker or whoever. Yeah. But you also are going to have some injuries by weeks uh, and you have a score that follows you the whole time. Uh, So it does like, if there weren't going to be any kickers on the waiver wire or just like maybe guys who like lose their jobs and a new guy pops up, then I actually think there'd be a decent case for drafting them. But is there, is there a buy Mageddon this year? Remember week six last year, the, the buy Mageddon is there, is is there a really, is there a really bad one this year? I think it's, it's more spread out this year. Although I did, Pat, did you see the tweet people asking us if we're worried about our Kyler Marquise Brown stack with the late Cardinals buy during the FFPC playoffs? So like, that's something people are starting to, to bring into the conversation. Uh, week 14, week, week 14 has a huge amount of buys, yeah. but it's not really, it's not really uh, any team. I mean, I, Jonathan Taylor has a week 14 buy. That's kind of interesting for the main event. And I hadn't really, and really pondered that. Didn't he have a week 14 by last year too? That sounds familiar. I remember the, the yeah. chiefs had a week 14 by two years ago. 
uh, which was problematic or, or, or week 13 back when the playoffs started in week 13 because of the extended schedule or whatever. Maybe, may, yeah, week nine, the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the 49ers are all uh, on by. So those are lots of top, you know, 100 picks or whatever who are all on by at that time. Not great. But nothing, nothing like week six last year where it was like every good team was on a bye in week six. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really stress the the bye week stuff that much, especially when they're later. And I get that it's a money week and stuff like that. But specifically, I guess this it doesn't pertain to Scott Fishbowl, but at least on FFPC where you can stream quarterbacks, it's just a start one QB. I'm not r- really too worried about it. And you know, the hope is that. Um, you've built up such a strong team around it by then as well that you can you can sacrifice that for a week. And also, like the big money in FFPC is in the final three weeks. It's for like Kyler's on by for week thirteen, which is the first week of your playoffs in your division in your in your twelve team league. I mean, so hopefully because you had Kyler for twelve weeks, you've got a bye week. You know, I mean, I'm an automatic bid is what I mean to uh, to the finals. Yeah, but don't the don't the, the the points you score that week do carry over? I mean, but that'll be true with any quarterback, right? Every quarterback has a bye week. You're not going to get their right. score every single week. Yeah, so you would be, you definitely, you definitely would be hoping to to get the automatic bid. The automatic bid saves a lot of heartache from from uh, from personal experience. You you don't want to be, uh, you know, we we took a, a zero at kicker one week because we used all our fab on mm. Mike Davis. I think I don't know. It was it was tough. You, you learn a lot. You learn a lot playing high stakes fantasy football. You, you definitely have a chance to learn from your mistakes. For sure. It's going to be crazy. Like it is, I do feel like we're kind of in this bubble, like this protected bubble of like, just sort of quiet, you know, that things really haven't happened yet. There's not chaos. Like just remembering the type of fab bids that we have put in the past and will yeah. assuredly put in this the, year. The, the Eli Mitchell, the Eli Mitchell week one fab bids, uh, yeah. just like an all time range of outcomes, right? Where people were showing their ass so hard by saying not to bid on him, which was yeah one of the one of the funniest. Things. But I mean, look, there will be there will be some. I I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know what team, but there will be some running back who is getting bids over fifty percent of your remaining budget this year. No no doubt about it. Yeah, hopefully it's Rex Burkhead who who we selected. There are uh, that is another thing in the Scott Fishbowl. Every year, the 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 week zero waiver wire bids generally tend to be pretty important. Like there are like there are ge- generally there will be one running back. Uh, generally, there will be a quarterback competition that gets an answer. Greg Dulcich will be a, a week zero waiver wire candidate this year, probably mm-hmm. after he scores five touchdowns in the preseason. Declare the week one starter. Yeah. That's not, that's not happening, bud. Well, <laughs> do we thought, have, it's such a sweet position for me to be in. Cause it's like a third round rookie tight end. <laughs> so like the expectations are zero. Like, can't, <laughs> like, like if he makes the team, it's a win. Like making the yeah. team is like a win. Getting any playing time is a win. If he somehow flips Albert O this year, it's like an all time victory lap. With no doubt, the, the, so. I, 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 the, the, the blurb had to have been written by you. It was the most. In, it uh, wasn't. Well, really, that's fascinating yeah, it was not. because it was so bullish. It was so bullish. It was like I, I, I was just like this hat. This has Karain's false flag. You know, uh, you, like you're, you're the Soros of, of Greg Dulcich. <laughs> just Soros. like you know, paying, paying your sources via back channels hey. to pump your bags. 
here here's the true the true outcome right is that they both cannibalize each other and, and neither they, of and them breaks out right yeah. is that what we're that seems like where we're headed yeah i, I that's i'm counting that as a victory if if i get it <laughs> from the, the albert oligarchy told me that nothing nothing would happen they'd <laughs> the, get they'd the, get there the, the liberal elite who are propping <laughs> up albert yeah <laughs> the the liberal elites i'm a man of the people here i'm saying get your guy cheap yeah sure maybe you'll only have a couple usable weeks but it's uh it's great for the cost are are either of you guys uh are either of you guys starting to get worried that judy and sutton are just being way overdrafted and that the production is going to be pretty flat between all of the guys they have i i'm somewhat worried i am still drafting those guys because i'm i'm just very bullish on russ i think russ is awesome sure I really don't think it can be like overstated how important it is to build your offense around your quarterback. Yes. Like, and like the takes of like, Oh, you know, Russ, he can't throw to the middle of the field. Like he's kind of lost a step. His accuracy dropped off last year. Like they're going to have to kind of build a Seahawks like offense. Cause that's the only thing Russ can succeed in. It's like, well, it's the only thing anyone's ever built for him. And all the coordinators that he's had suck. Like every, like Daryl Bevel was a Seahawks offense coordinator. He just ran the Jaguar shit show. Like they haven't had anybody impressive running their offense like ever. And now they will. So like, I don't know, I'm, I'm willing to bet that like maybe Russ has a couple more tricks up his sleeve if he's able to run a fast paced offense, which he prefers and one that's built around the passing game being the engine of the offense. It also could be one of those things where like whichever one scores the long touchdowns ends up being the one that really breaks out and that it might just yeah. be totally random. Right. I am worried about Judy's routes. Like they, um, there seems to be some reports, you know, that, that he is kind of playing out of the slot that he might, he might not be out there for like a full slate of routes, which is a problem at a fifth round ADP. Higher dude. He's like 45th. I don't really take him until he hits the fifth, but yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get out of here on this. The best 22nd round pick in the Scott fishbowl is who Pete? The 20th. Your, your very last selection, your 22nd round, you're getting out of there. You're closing, you're closing it out. You're, you're filing that away until September. Yeah. Let me look at who's, uh, who's available in mine here. Um, you know, there's two guys still actually, man, there's a bunch here. So the, the reason I'm like shocked is because these guys have been flying off the board in our main event drafts, but like three names just right away that are still available. As I head into my 19th round here, Dearness Johnson, who we already mentioned, Eno Benjamin, who I do really think can um, usurp Darrell Williams to be kind of the, the number two there. And then Jarek McKinnon, who is yeah. just being massively undervalued relative to what we saw from why, him. Why is this happening? Class. What you're, these yeah, Scott Fishbowl leagues, they gotta, they gotta figure it out. My answer was gonna be Gronk, but if any of those, if any of those guys are still those guys are all better selections than Gronk. I just took McKinnon in the 18th, I think. Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe it was too early, but. I mean, I, he might be the Chiefs passing down back. Plus, I got to get them home stack. I took I took Dearness Johnson uh, and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn already in mind, so I can't even have that. I, I, I have Gronk preloaded as my final selection. We'll see if he gets sniped before I get there. But, I mean, uh, an unretired Gronk goes for what in the week zero fab bidding? On, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think some people will just spend 100 because you, yeah. you can pick up guys without – spending any money yes zero zero dollar bids count uh i i i there was some running back i spent a hundred dollars on a couple seasons ago i think tyson williams i spent like 40 bucks on last year 
Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Remember Tyson. How Williams. Sucked to our Pete. We got him in one main. We were like, yes. Oh yeah. That was with us. I, it was the one we oh, all did yeah. together. We yeah. took it. Yeah. Man, that team, man, I still, like, I can't remember a lot of our main event teams last year, but I will forever remember our Jonathan Taylor, Devontae Adams, Eli Mitchell. We won Eli Mitchell, too, and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Tough scenes. Tough scenes. All right. uh, What's uh, what's happening on Ship Chasing this week, boys? Dalton Cates is coming on, and we're uh, we're doing some prop bet talk, and uh, we're drafting a team. I believe Pete is out, which uh, I think means I'm on thumbnail duty again. So. Thumbnail was, duty pack. I, I was actually going to offer you an olive branch and be like, I can't whip you up a thumbnail before I, I mean, go. But the people do love watching you put together your masterpieces. I should, what we should do is make a highlight video of me making the thumbnail. I mean, 100%. 100%. <laughs> it is pretty bad. If you uh, are able to whip up a thumbnail, um, I, <laughs> I wouldn't mind not having the bit this week. It legit does take me a long time to do this my, my only thing is that when davis is the guest i have no problem with you uh you know but but dalton's never been on the show i think we could give him a, a nice glossy image yeah here. maybe let's give him a nice one <laughs> so we'll uh we'll figure out about 28 hours from now if pete did in fact whip up that thumbnail yeah you'll know not, you'll we'll definitely know, know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out uh guys listen to ship chasing uh follow pat follow pete and we'll be back later in the week <laughs>